So ladies, welcome to the very first Branded You uh, podcast of 2019. And I'm so happy because today I'm here with Avital Shurnov, which I think is a gorgeous name. And I'm sitting across from a beautiful lady who came straight out of America. And we're going to find out about that later. Uh, But why are we doing this podcast? Because I really think it's important for women to hear more women's stories. And uh, we like to keep things real here at uh, Branded You. And um, I really love how we met. She's going to introduce herself a little bit later on. But um, the way that we met was um, not even two months ago Mm -hmm. at the... uh, Harper's Bazaar Network Academy in collaboration with Brenda Chu International Women's Day Summit. And um, I guess somebody introduced us to each other or did you come up to me? I can't remember. Yeah, so I actually a few months before that event, I was at another event and I was talking about what I did. And someone said, you have to talk to Nancy. And I was like, who's Nancy? She runs this company, Branded You. You guys just do very similar work. And a couple months later, I had seen the invitation for the event, the Harper Bazaar's um, event, and it sounded right up my alley. So I signed up and I went, and you were actually the first person that came up to me as I entered that room of like tons of women. You were the first person that came up to me, not even knowing who I was, um, and introduced yourself. And and that's that's how we met. And then after that event, I couldn't help but reach out and see if you were up for a coffee and just to share notes, share stories and go yeah. from there. So that's what, that's, that's how it happened. Yeah. So for the audience today, we're going to talk about female leadership and we're going to talk about personal branding and limiting beliefs. But before we do that, Avital Chernoff, that's not a Dutch name. You no. don't have a Dutch accent. So mm-hmm. tell us, how did you get to Amsterdam? Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, and I came to Amsterdam um, for an adventure, really. I, um, it was almost 11 years ago now. My then boyfriend, now husband, asked if I would be up for living and working in Europe for a couple years' time. And I, I really value adventure and new experiences. Um, so I, I went for it. And that adventure continues. So like I said, I've been here. I have a love affair with Amsterdam. I have fallen in love with the city. I find it to be coming from Los Angeles, such a big city. And I love LA. I was not escaping anything, but there's a charm here in Amsterdam that it just wins my heart. I just, my heart just pounds when I am I'm, I'm in the city. It's a large village with a huge heartbeat. So you've been here over a decade. Yeah. And what have you been doing work-wise? Yeah, so, um, well, now I'm a leadership and executive coach. But when I first came to Amsterdam, um, I guess it was my, I don't know if it's my previous life. It's not really. It's all connected, which is maybe something we'll talk about later. I was working as a brand strategist and program manager at Philips Design. So that was where I started here in Amsterdam. Um, I worked there at Philips Design for seven years, working on a lot of different business units, almost all their almost all of their business units, before I made the transition to uh, becoming a coach. So, how did you make that transition? I mean, what started it off? What inspired you? I was working in the creative industry for over fifteen years, 
and I was developing big brands, so like Philips, Red Bull, Nestle, and I was on this track. Like I, I knew kind of where I was going. I wanted to, you know, hit management. I even had a vision for myself that I would be the CEO of my own ad agency one day. So that's that's really like I'm talking my senior year in high school. That's something I wrote in my college applications, which is so I, I knew I thought I knew where I wanted to go, and and I was very focused over the years. And when I got really close to when that carrot was right there in front of me and I was about to make the step into senior management, I felt that there was something that wasn't aligned with me. Something wasn't working. I wasn't really happy. I wasn't sure what it was. And I realized that I needed to take time to figure it out. Like I've been going and working and so focused and all of a sudden, everything I'd been working towards seemed to be not what I really wanted. And that was a confusing time for me. And I made um, a bold and maybe risky choice. I just left. I just quit. Um, it was a hard choice. It felt like I was throwing something away that I had spent so much time and energy building. Um, and yeah, I did a lot of work to figure out what, what it is work that did I you wanted. do? A lot of work around self-awareness, self-reflection, really thinking about who I am today and what is it that I want. And that came in different forms. That came, you know, it went anything from journaling. Uh, I worked with a coach myself to, to figure out what's next for me. I, would, I did an exercise which was extremely helpful for me. I spoke to people that I've worked with or people I'm close with um, and asked them, what are my strengths in their view? And what are my weaknesses? And my goal was just to sit and listen. I made no comments. I wanted to hear it purely from them and I really wanted to take it in. And I did this with not just one person. I did it with, I think it was seven people in the end. Because for me, I was interested to see whether there was a red thread that I maybe wasn't seeing for myself. I often think the way we look at ourselves are different than the way other people see us. And, and that exercise proved to be true. There were things that I saw there that, that I could really leverage yeah. in my next step. We do, we do that in uh, lesson number one, perception. Yeah. yeah. I asked them to do it with more people, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I hit seven, but um, it's yeah. a great exercise to do, absolutely. The only difference is that we focus on strengths only. because. Yeah. Um, I think you can't build a brand based on um, bad materials. But we do look at stuff that might hold you back yeah. when it comes to limiting beliefs. But before we get to that, I'm really interested in how you go from working at a big corporate company to you know, trying to find yourself, trying to figure out why you're feeling the way that you're feeling, which is a feeling of not belonging in that company anymore. And sort of maybe losing yourself. I think you probably caught yourself before you got a burnout or something even, you know, something serious like that. So how do you go from finding yourself to then finding your, if I can call it, new purpose-driven company mm -hmm. um, of being a leadership uh, coach, executive leadership coach? And I like that term because that means you're also focused on a certain level of people that you want to coach. Yeah. So, Did something start it off? For instance, with me, it was definitely always being the only woman and the only black woman in the room and knowing how that feels and just thinking, 
there should be a generation that doesn't feel that way and it's not going fast enough. Mm. Yeah, for me, well, I think making the transition meant taking time to really do the tough work. So asking the tough questions that I think, you know, you do, and I'm sure you do in your program, is is to really think about who you are, what your strengths are. Um, but still, even for me, you know, those are, the, the, every step of the way, there's more information to build upon. And at one point, I was, I, I've, you know, being a brand strategist, I've always been extremely passionate about hum- connecting with people. Yeah. And what, how do you connect with people? And, and, and all of that. And I, I also saw that I got really into human behavior and psychology again. And there was something really pulling me towards that. I didn't know it was coaching yet, but I, I went with that. <clears throat> I also talked to a lot of people outside of my industry. So I started to talk to people doing completely different things. And when I saw that where I was most passionate about and that where I wanted to learn more... I realized I wanted to call my call my coach that I had worked with, not to have a session, but to hear what it's like to be a coach. <coughs> and from that moment on, she, I mean, she explained to me what it was, and I just, I, I had a good, I had an instinct, like this might be where I want to go. And I took, took a risk. I went into a, um, into a coaching course and started it off and along the way I would to get where I am today I started to coach a lot of people after you know when I started to build my business and I noticed I think the thing for me that that the reason why I work in leadership and executive coaching especially with women so I work with a lot of women is I noticed too for myself that I played pretty small in that space that I realized as I was reflecting that there were things that I almost didn't even realize were happening. And that I, I want more for women. I think women have so much more to offer, so much wisdom. And I want to be, I want to partner with them to and help propel them to the top. Well, let's go back to what you were saying, because yeah. obviously you're driven through something personal. Yeah. And you said, making yourself small is something that you can identify with, mm-hmm. right? So how did you do it? How did you make yourself small? Can you give us a, an anecdote? Yeah, I think... So how, women can relate. Yeah, of course, of course, how I played small. Staying in corporate is me playing small. I knew for a very long time. There was an inside whisper that I just was not... I was choosing not to listen to. Um, it was always do your own thing. Do your own thing. Like you can do, like there was something that's like, what would it be like if you did your own thing? And I didn't listen and I kept on going and I kept on going and I, you know, got the next promotion and got the next thing. And and for me, playing big was listening to that whisper and taking a huge risk and building my own business. Yeah. And that for me is the anecdote that I would love to share in terms of, because that is where I feel like I've made that transition. I'm now doing something that is so much more aligned with who I am, what I want to be a part of. It's a, it's um, connected to a higher vision that I have in terms of the world that I would love for all of us to live in. 
I also have a true, um, you know, I also am passionate about leadership and I believe that there's a new type of leadership that we need to get us to where it is that we want to go. And what do you think, where do you think we want to go? I would love to see, in terms of leadership, it's, you know, we've been in a world where things are so competitive and so profit-driven and um, there is so much value in collaboration and so much value in coming from a place of purpose and building a business from meaning and something that is really something you're passionate and motivated about. So waking up in the morning and being a part of something that's bigger than you. I think that's really, really important. I also see leadership as being, as helping other people and empowering other people to do and, and try new things and do different things. You know, somehow we've come to a place where we're scared to fail and we're scared to take chances and scared to take risks. And now things are changing at a rapid pace and it's required. And so, yeah. I'm going to ask you two questions yeah. because it's really interesting what you're saying. One of my favorite quotes is, yeah. leaders become great not because of their power, but because of their ability to empower. I really love that quote. Beautiful. And it basically describes what you just said. Yeah. And then the next question I have, well, it's not a question, it was a statement. <laughs> <laughs> but the question I have is, how do you think, coming from this place of maybe selfishness and greed to more being collaborative, like you described, where do women add the value? Innately, women are, are more empathetic, more collaborative, more um, Can you describe that word for our Dutch listeners, innately? Oh, and so it just... Um, it's a characteristic that it's a it's a part of a, them. It, yeah, it's part of who we are in terms of our femininity or feminine yeah. energy. We're all made up of feminine energy and masculine energy, and but but women tend to have these characteristics already built within us to really be good listeners and to be empathetic and to be compassionate and to be thoughtful about what's you know what's going on around us. Um, that is just a natural ability for many women. Yeah. So what, and then we're going to get into um, the limiting belief stuff, but what do you think you do differently? What's so unique about your coaching program? Because you do it one-on-one, -on -one, you do it with executive coaches, but let's say I'm an executive and I come to your program. Um, what kind of, problem would I have or how would I leave after we've gone through the coaching process? Yeah, so I work with a lot of women. There are a few things that women come to me for and that's, you know, sometimes it's about figuring out their next step. Sometimes it's they feel they deserve more recognition. It could be also about juggling it all and trying to find, you know, there's this word balance might not be the best. I honestly don't love that word myself. I think integration and integrating. I and love that. The right so, level of integration is, is, yeah, is better suited for us to think about. I think balance, it's like, it's like walking on a string. Like that's, that's hard to do. But if you think of the things that are most important to you. You integrate them. And, and yeah. then you design your life that way, then, then, then you're good. Then you feel balanced. You feel like it's, you know, 
you're in a good place. So you're saying so, don't look for balance, but design your life in a way so that you can feel the balance. Oh my God, I have to give you... I'm giving her a fist bump, ladies, because I really love that. That's a really nice thing to say. Yeah. And you should drink your coffee because it's getting cold. <laughs> ladies, we love this stuff so much. It's, I can get, yeah, get sucked in. You get, in, you get energized. Yeah. So we're sitting here in the Nieuwekerkstraat, just off the Prinsengracht in Amsterdam at a place called Charlie Amsterdam. And for any of you out there that like to find places to go out there and work in the city and still have a little bit of quiet, I can definitely recommend it. And the coffee's great, isn't it? Yum. Yeah, so, okay. um, What I wanted to talk to you about was limiting belief, which is probably part of your program as well and your coaching, um, the way that you coach women, because... I guess it's just part of us. It's always going to be part of us. You know, like the limiting belief you had 10 years ago might not be the same that you have now or in the future. And they're constantly changing. So, you know, I'm always trying to figure out, like with my coaching program, I want to give women tools that they can use over and over and over again in new situations. So that's why the e-course is something that you buy like a book, but you keep it for life. Like, yeah. I'm not taking it offline, you know, I'm just keeping at least for five years because I don't know where I'm going to be the next five years, but I'm keeping it online because I really think that no matter what role you're in or even privately, you can still use these sort of tools that we're giving to you um, to basically um, make yourself more visible, to put yourself in a leadership position, just to do some inner workings like you were saying before. And one of the main things, lesson number two, lesson number one is be perceived the way you want to be perceived. You've mm-hmm. got to think about perception and the perception you have about yourself. And then lesson two is um, getting rid of limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and developing a bro- growth mindset. But today I want to focus on getting rid of limiting beliefs. And so I guess my question is, what we do is... Um, we help women to sort of identify them and then really check if they're real and then replace them, which is kind of like a bit Byron Katie's work. Um, but um, I always think that every you know trainer, coach, mentor, whoever does it differently. Yeah. So I just want to figure out how you do it differently and what you can give to the world when it comes to um, limiting those beliefs. Yeah. So first, I just want to respond and say that what you said about leaving your course online for a long period of time, how important that is. And I, I like, and the reason I say that is because this work that you do with your clients and the work that I do with my clients, this is, it's not a one-time thing. We're constantly growing and constantly evolving. And once you crack something open, there's, as you grow and develop, there's always value in in stopping and doing that again. So I I love that. I love that it's not a one-time thing for you and that you encourage your clients to continue to to do that work as they as they develop. So I just I really wanted to respond oh, to that because I you. think it's there's something important to say about that. Um it's a journey. Yeah. You just it doesn't stop. It's it's you get to these summits and then you keep on going. So yeah. And um yeah, I wanted to respond to that. And, and now I'm thinking about um, an yeah. Aerosmith song called <laughs> Life's a Journey, Not a Destination. And, you know, we look at it like a destination totally. a lot. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry for my bad singing, ladies, but um, I had to get that out there. <laughs> but it's so true, though. Life is a journey. Yeah, life is a journey. And I think with your other question in terms of, you know, how I work with my clients in terms of self-limiting beliefs. 
So often they're obvious. Sometimes, sometimes self-limiting beliefs are obvious and sometimes they're not as obvious. And a lot of my work is asking provocative, thoughtful questions to get to the bottom of something. So I sit in a place with my clients where I don't necessarily buy into their stories. No. You're so questioning I, them. I want to know more. So yeah. I'm not, you know, you can look at it. Sometimes I'm, I might be challenging, but I'm, I'm more, I come from a place of curiosity. I want to understand where some of the thinking, because beliefs inform our actions. They inform our, re, they, they create our reality. So when I, someone comes and they want to Let's make, say that again. Oh, so. Beliefs inform our actions. They create our reality. Oh my God, I am going to put it on a post-it note. I am going to quote you. It's going to be online tomorrow. This is amazing. I really love that because we don't think about the effects they have on our lives. We just think it's in our head. You think of it as a truth. Exactly. You think of it as real. Yeah. And beliefs are not truths. It's a, it's a belief. And, and if you believe that, then what you do is a reflection of that. So when, when like for example, um, you know, I started my own business and I thought if I start my own business, um, or I thought that here's one that I had was, um, I'm never gonna make enough money if I start my own business. Yeah. I come from a corporate career, I have, you know, I had a great salary, I'm never gonna make that again. Ever. So where did it come from? Um, there was, yeah, where did that one go? That's a good question. That came from, I was really attached to security. I was really attached that I needed that. Yeah, I, there was something I valued security, but it, it, that didn't, um, I have to say that didn't align with what it is that I wanted and where I was going. I was stuck there. I was stuck with, no, I need the security. I need the, the paycheck every month. I I, you know, there's, there's no way I can replicate this on my own. How could I do that? That, that was where I was. Like that was, it was impossibility yeah. in that. So I never, I never took the step. I never made the move. Which is so um, interesting because I look at American women and I'm always like, oh my God, they don't think big, they think bigger mm. because of the whole culture that you have. You talk about everything, everything's possible, it's the land of possibilities, um, the American dream and of course that's all Hollywood because if you look at the heartland and you look at Midwest and you look at so many poor people in cities, it doesn't apply and if that was the truth, then everybody would have that truth. Yeah. Um, so you're right. Belief, even though you might as a country have a belief, it doesn't mean the rest of the country. It doesn't mean it's yeah, inside, it's in every inside of every single one of yeah. them. It's, it's a very aspirational and inspirational thing, right? So how but can we get this to schools? So you know? <laughs> I'm like thinking we need this in schools, you know? Like well, I can see it with kids. It's all generation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it mean, is. And what we're doing too is... I want to propel them into the top. They, and top, by the way, I just want to be clear, that doesn't mean you have to go to C-suite. The top is whatever you define yeah, the top. as the top for you. I just want to be clear on that. Yeah. Let me be clear but, that I am talking about C-suite because I think we need more female leaders. Oh, I, I believe that fully. Yeah. And I'm just saying, but to the top, I do think when you're doing work, 
on yourself, you have to think of what that looks like for yeah. you. To and, and the fact that we're doing this on women is going to affect yeah. those children because we are the most, you know, we're mostly the caretakers. So if we think that way, it's going to reflect on our children. And to tell the truth, I just had an aha moment. Thank you, Oprah. Because um, my mom did the inner workings after she divorced my dad and she mm -hmm. got into all these books about, you know, the whole new thought movement and knowing that you are your thoughts and Louise Hay and Dr. Joseph Murphy, The Power Within You, mm -hmm. you know, books like that. And I and she kept repeating those kind of messaging to me as a teenager. And in the beginning, you're, you're just like, oh, whatever, what are you saying? And then un, you're not aware that it's part of you. Like, I wasn't aware until in my 20s that that was my belief system, that I could change my thoughts or I could um, create things through my th thoughts. And the moment it hit me was when I had failed my driving test for the third time. And my mom said to me, do not even take one extra lesson. Go back in the office, because I was standing outside, Tell him you want the next available date. And it was the, the week after. It was like within a week. This was a Friday. It was the next Friday. She says, you're not going to do anything but this. You are going to visualize this guy handing you that pink paper. It was a pink paper that mm -hmm. you rolled out. And you are going to visualize him saying to you, congratulations, Nancy Polion. You succeeded in your driving test. So all I did for that week was that exercise. And I don't know why I believed it, because now I'm looking back, I'm like, wow, I was so young and I believed it. I was in my early 20s. And it worked. And I'm telling you, Avital, I made like mistakes. A lot of them. I knew I'd made them. But still making the mistakes, I was like, I can drive. And he knows I can drive. And he's going to make me pass my test. So, you know, having these and women... what happened? It, it is belief. I believed. You believed. I believed I could drive. Yeah. I believed he should give me the, the, the paper. Yeah. So changing, that's why I'm saying you it's such... You challenged it like head on. It's you a like, total aha I can moment. buy into that. Yeah. Because, and when you buy into a self-limiting belief, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm. You believe something, so you act in a certain way. Yeah. And then there's a negative outcome. Yeah. And then it happens all over again. It reinforces your belief. So, okay, here's an example for women. So many women feel I'm not ready yet, or I'm not. I don't have the right experience. So they don't put themselves forward for a promotion, right? They don't because I'm not ready yet. But then they see a colleague get promoted before them, who wasn't ready either. Who, who ready, maybe not wasn't ready, yet. whatever. But then that then reinforces their belief. See, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't ready. ready. <laughs> I know. So it's it's, it's like a, a circle. vicious cycle. Yeah. So and and you're just feeding it. Yeah. So if, when you revise a belief and when you challenge it head on you're also looking for you're looking for proof that actually your old belief was untrue and you'll notice that when you are so conscious when you can really when you're becoming so aware and you're doing it differently and you're challenging it you're going to find actually that when you see it from a different lens and you see it with a new belief your whole world changes the yeah. whole it really changes and it you know what you said? It's like you're seeing it in different color. Absolutely. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's you're out of the bubble. And you're out of the bubble. And, you know, it's about seeing that belief and revise it. Literally, revise it. Put a different. How do you want to see the world? Yeah. Write it down and experience. Go out in the world. Go out in your life 
ha do everything that you normally do, but just take that belief forward and experiment and see what's going to happen. It's, it's so powerful. Yeah. I see it with my clients all the time. It, it's, it's about the pulling them out, becoming aware of them, and being so willing to change it. Yeah. So that you can... Self-limiting beliefs, in essence, the sad thing about them is that they stop us from achieving what we want to achieve. And even worse, they stop us from becoming the person that we want to become. Okay, so you do two things. You figure out which beliefs are conscious and which beliefs are unconscious, because some of them are really out there. Yeah. And then you grab those that aren't. Because you ask, and it's the second thing that you do, tough questions. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, so um, I work with a lot of different women. And what I realize is that it's so much easier for older women to identify and to do something with their limiting beliefs than younger women. There's more of a truth to it when they're young because they were raised by their parents. So we're talking like 20s, yeah. in their 20s. How can we get young women to change their limiting beliefs or to identify them quicker so they don't live with them for 10 years too long, which is my biggest challenge at the moment. Yeah. You know, like figuring out how these young women can go deep because it's really scary to go deep. And I guess when you're older, you've been through so much, you're just like, I can do this as well. But when you're younger, you haven't got all the experience, you haven't had all the, you know, um, maybe even created a lot of resilience yet because you haven't experienced a lot of bad things yet right. that challenged that belief system. Um, uh, how do you get them? Because I can see it in a lot of these young women that I'm coaching, training, I mean, is, is that it's there. And if they don't catch it on time, it's going to be part of them and it's going to sabotage their future. And I think... So if you could give like a couple of questions that you would ask them to make them realize it's not like on the surface, you know? Yeah. It's, it's you know, hard for me right now to come up with a very relevant question because yeah. it's so attached to what is Personal, going on, yeah, right? Yeah. But the thing that comes up for me is, is I think pulling out some of the, the more obvious maybe more simpler ones that aren't so difficult that doesn't feel so difficult to change but you have to they have to experience it to believe it right mm -hmm. so that's i think and that's what you're saying older women have the have experience they have a track right they, they can look back and and reflect and see things yeah younger women don't have all those years and they're still in a place where they're very impressionable so you know, that's where these beliefs come from, is like TV, media, culture, our parents, society. Those are all, you know, what we are surrounded with is what creates our reality and creates these beliefs. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's probing, it's understanding where, where it comes from. And I also think it's a process. I really do. I think everybody goes through this in a different way at a different pace. And sometimes it's just about being there holding, continue to hold them accountable and just to, to pick away at it little by little. So what if you're in like a, a corporate environment and you were one of those young women within the corporate environment? Because how old were you when you started at Philips? Oh, when I was at Philips, I was in my late 20s when yeah. I started at Philips. That's a young woman. Yeah. So you're, you're in your late 20s, you're starting at Philips 
And if you look back at the girl you were there, because I'm thinking about myself being yeah. in my late 20s, and my only, lim you know, I had many limiting beliefs, but <laughs> the, the main one was I have to work twice as hard because I'm a woman and I'm black. I have to prove myself to everybody. I have to make them see that I'm really excellent, not just good, I'm excellent at my job. And I did this through, you know, being the first one in the office and being the last one to mm. leave. I mean, I would work hard. I was a workhorse. For me, it was all about the work, putting in the work, putting in the work. And still, and this freaking pissed me off, mm -hmm. the guy next to me that didn't do all the work, that did a third of what I did, got paid, and he started a year later the same salary as I had. And not only that, he was headhunted before I was. So I was like really starting, I, 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 it, that forced me to look at it differently. And that made it more, um, that made me more aware of networking, you know? Um, but I guess the whole limiting beliefs things, um, it, it didn't, I didn't understand it until I took a leadership, like, coaching week. I went away for a week yeah. and took this leadership thing. And that's when I found out about it. And also through something that my MD said, he said, you're a workhorse, you know, you're good enough. And maybe you should take a leadership course and I'm going to buy you one. And I was like, wow, he's investing in me. He does mm -hmm. believe in me. But there were so many more limiting beliefs that I had, you know, that I couldn't be friends with women that didn't have ambitions. I couldn't... Um, you know, if a woman made a mistake at work, you know, she should see it and rectify it. And, you know, if a man made a mistake, oh, well, he's a man. I know it's really bad to right. say it, but it's true. I'm glad that you're saying it because honestly, what we don't allow another woman, we don't allow within ourselves. Exactly. So, so when you don't, was, when you're like, she's not allowed to make a mistake, I, you also was, are not exactly. allowed to make a mistake. Yeah. When you are the one that's saying what you want and being vocal. Yeah. And, and you look at them as being bossy and bitchy, you also don't allow yourself to use your voice. Exactly. So it's so good to identify them, not just, you know, um, and, and at that age it was really important because you design your future in your 20s. You don't know it, but you really do. Even though you can change it later on, you're still sort of laying down the foundation. Yeah. And I'm so happy that I did put in the hard work now, looking back, but I just wish I had enjoyed it more. Because to tell you the truth, it's a black hole. I hardly, there's a couple of pictures that I have and that take me back to yeah. the moments, but I don't remember any of it. So that's a shame because you work so hard, your brain cannot, you know, remember it all. So, but we're coming to the end of our, um, of our uh, podcast. Um, uh, and I'm thinking about one last question um, that I'm gonna, you know, sort of ask you, which is, if you had one tip to give to women when it comes to doing the inner workings, um, what would it be? Maybe it, it could be a thing of timing. Maybe it could be like, you know, you, you do the body work, you go back to feeling what feels good and what doesn't feel good. What, what would it be? Like I'm, I'm becoming more aware of the effects of my body on my brain. Oh, like, absolutely. you know, if it doesn't feel good, it will just move through my whole body. So, and you learn that and then you listen to it. And I think you're pointing to something. So I have a tip, but I do want to just react to that because I think 
there is more, there's different ways of knowing. We rely on our brains and our mind to know everything. Your body has so much more intellect than you give it credit for often. That is a, that is a source of knowledge for you. Your heart, like when you feel something in your heart, when it hits you right at your heart, that's a place of knowing. That's another source. And then there's just like even the energy around you. Like there, there are so many different ways to know and it's not just about what's going on in your head. It's how you feel. It's what's happening in your body. It's your sensations. And it's getting in touch with that. And I think, you know, so much of the work that, that we do is reminding women that they're more powerful than they think. And that's what, if I were to leave with one tip, it is that you are more powerful than you believe. You can change these things. You can. And it might be hard work, but the truth is, like, your brain can lie to you. So you have to inform it differently so that your brain actually sees you for who you are and sees the world in, in a more positive, opportunistic way. Like, I, I just, I truly, like, I believe that, you know, the other thing about doing this work is that it can be challenging and tough. It's not always so easy. It doesn't happen like that. That's, so, but don't shy away from it. You know, go deep. Go, go really deep. It's worth, it's so worth it when you look inside and you take all these, these experiences and things that have gotten in the way of who it is that you want to become. And when you look at them and you work through them, you make way. You make way for all that goodness. And, and then it's like you, you can move towards whatever it is that you want. And that's what we want. We want more women to move towards the thing that they really want instead yeah. of just focusing what others want. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I guess that's, um, that's, that's the conclusion of this podcast. Um, thank you very much, Avital Chernoff. So if people want to find you, where can they hit you up? Yeah, co uh, avichernoff.com. Yeah. And um, email is coach at avichernoff.com. Well, ladies, I'm sure you're going to hear more often of Avital because I'm pretty impressed by her. And, um, and yeah, thank hopefully... You, um, thank you for the opportunity. You're, you're welcome. Really, you're you. definitely welcome. And um, you've taught me a lot today. I've had a couple of uh, aha moments already. So I'm really happy with that. So ladies, um, in a couple of weeks, um, we'll be sharing a second podcast. And it's going to be with Milushka van Lam. She's the editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar. And we're going to chat uh, about a couple of things. I'll tell you the subject uh, in a couple of weeks. See you then. Bye-bye. See you.